My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction lawyer here in the state of Florida. And today we're going to talk about three project documentation tips to help you get paid. Let's get started. Um, if you have any questions, make sure to submit them in the GoToWebinar chat box, as you see on your screen. Um, fill in your question. We'll go ahead and answer all of those questions at the end. Please do not include the names of any companies or people in your questions. All right, so let's talk about the agenda. Number one, what is the first project documentation tip I have? It's daily reports. Um, number two is photos. Number three is using the right system to support your documentation. Then we'll have a few bonus tips. All right, so number one, daily reports. You have to remember that the documentation that you're putting together is not intended to document things because you need to know them today. It's to prove or disprove something tomorrow, meaning as time passes, people are going to forget what has occurred. And your daily reports are gonna be the key component at proving what did or didn't happen on the job site. As many of you know, you get to the end of a job and then you have that closeout meeting. And at that closeout meeting, people bring up things that happened during the course of the job and they want to try to renegotiate your contract. Why should they pay you less money than um, you're expecting to be paid? Why they don't want to approve your change orders? Why they're hitting you with a back charge for cleanup or repairs to your work? The same is true in reverse to the extent that you want to be able to back charge someone, one of your contractors or subs, you need to be able to do that convincingly with documentation. Many times we see folks just create a spreadsheet. And my response to that is anyone can put numbers on a spreadsheet after the fact. What support do you have to prove that the things you're saying today are actually things that happened in the past? And the number one way to do that are daily reports. So what are daily reports important for? You can support weather delays. Um, you know, what was the weather like? Was it raining such that you couldn't work? Um, was the wind strong enough that you couldn't use uh, a crane or a boom lift? What project labor did you have on the project? Um, that day, what was the headcount? So that's another item that needs to be in your daily reports. Um, the number of men showing up on the job and their hours worked every day. What materials were delivered? Um, what areas were worked on? What areas were unavailable? This is something that's very important. If you want to indicate things that are impacting your work, the daily report is the is a great place to put that into, um, into writing. And then maybe there are other issues impeding your work. Uh, for example, maybe you were waiting for the electrician to finish his scope of work on the second floor. So you would in indicate that on your daily report, could not access the second floor, still waiting for the electrician to finish. Maybe you're working on a high rise, and the buck hoist stopped working uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So you had to bring all of your materials up to the job, to each floor uh, through the stairwell. 
Um, so that impeded your work. Those are the types of things that you want to write on your daily report. Use the daily report to support your project narrative. Why you are doing everything you can to achieve the project objective and how things are in, outside of your control are impacting your ability to get that work done. That is the project narrative and you need to find ways to incorporate that into your daily reports. Because what's gonna happen is um, you're gonna submit your daily reports. Some contractors or owners require those daily reports every day, some require it weekly, some require them with your pay requests. But at a minimum, when you get to that project closeout or if there's a dispute in on the project, these daily reports are going to be your get out of jail free card if they are written correctly. So if a contractor or, or an owner wants to blame you for delays and says you didn't have enough men on the job, but you can pull out six weeks of um, daily reports showing 10, 20, 30 people on the job um, to support the fact that you were there all the time in uh, mass, that's going to help you a lot. One way to level up your daily reports um, is the careful documentation about negative events, negative events that affect you. So you don't want to, I'm not suggesting that you lie on your daily reports or that you say something that's not true, but you don't need to use it as a tool to broadcast everything that maybe you could have done better with. Um, you can use other means to document those items. So maybe instead of putting uh, issues related to things that you could have done better in your daily report, maybe you want to put that in an email that you send to your project executive or the president or other people that need to see it in your company that would be separate and apart from the daily report. Documentation tip number two, photographs. So. Uh, you need to photo your project at least weekly. Ideally, you're doing it every day. You would be surprised at the number of folks that come to me with a problem and I ask them to give me photos of their project and they don't have very many. So photographs are critical because it's like a daily report on steroids. It gives the viewer of your photo great context about what was happening during the course of the project. So if there is an issue in your daily report that um, is what you're writing about that is impeding your work. So let's take an example. Let's say um, the buck hoist on the side of the building is not working. Taking a picture of it not working or being disassembled um, or not on the building that's a great piece of evidence in addition to your daily reports that say that, say that the buck hoist was not working. Um, so here's some tips on how to photograph your projects better. Photograph the area of your work. Um, that kind of makes sense, right? So if you're the drywaller, you're gonna take pictures of the area before and after you drywall. Um, but make sure you take pictures of the surrounding areas inside and outside. So for example, if there are issues around the job site that impact your work, make sure to take pictures of those things. Um, and I have had clients that 
make it a habit of taking pictures uh, every day around the job site in various areas of the job site unrelated to their work. And those pictures have proven uh, have, have proved to be very helpful at uh, the closeout of a job or in a dispute in ways that the client had no reason to know when they were taking the picture. Um, so it's very easy. You have a camera on your phone, you know, just snap a handful of pictures as you walk to the job site, as you walk through the job site, and as you get to the area where you're, you or your team may be working, um, and take those pictures every day. You don't know what's gonna, what you're going to need, but you will know uh, after the fact, and you say, oh, geez, you know, I really wish I had a picture of X um, after the fact. Try to set up the photos to show the date and time with uh, that stamped on the photo. That that also makes it very easy to see. Obviously, if you use your phone, the date, location, and uh, time is in the metadata on the photo, but that's hidden behind the photo. So showing it on the photo is a great way to um, have that front and center. Organize your photos with a program or some other system. Um, I've seen lots of different systems. Um, we're going to talk about some systems later. Uh, so Procore, for example, allows you to take photos and, and connect them right to your project file. But we have clients that use, you know, homemade systems. Uh, you know, they create a WhatsApp channel for each uh, job that they're on. Um, and they just take photos and put them there. Whatever system you use, make sure it's a system that works and that allows you to organize your photos. Make sure to label your photos as many will look very similar um, and you won't be able to tell them apart later on when you need to. So for example, if you're working in, for example, a high rise and you know, unit 602, 603, 604, 605, and you take those pictures of the interior of those units um, or the hallways on certain floors, you're not necessarily going to be able to know or discern that that's unit 601 versus 605 or the second floor corridor versus the fifth floor corridor. So you need to make sure that you find a way to label your photos so that when you go back, you know what you took the picture of. And this is absolutely critical. You have to find a way to back up your photos. It is easier now than ever before, whether you use an Android smartphone, um, uh, an Apple phone, or you use a system like Procore or other apps or systems that will back up your photos. I had a client come to me once uh, a few years ago and he said, Alex, don't worry, I got, I got tons of pictures. Uh, I would text them to my team. And uh, so here, look, it's, it's in my, text string and, and they would text pictures to me. And what he didn't realize is that um, his phone was set up so that any text message that had a photo, and so it would take up a lot of space that was older than six months, would automatically get deleted. So as he scrolled back in time and he hit six months, there was nothing there. And he scrambled to get the people that sent him the photos to pull those photos off their phone. He thought he had them, and in fact, he didn't. So you need a foolproof system that you check occasionally to back up your photos so that you, you know, if you drop your phone, uh, it shatters, you lose it, 
that it's not just saved on your phone, that it's saved somewhere else that you have access to. One way to level up your photo game is to occasionally, I would say weekly, take a narrated video of the project site. Walk through the project, uh, click uh, start on your photo, uh, on your video, and just start talking about what you're seeing, um, and that'll come out on the video. And again, I don't know when you'll need it. You don't know when you'll need it, but uh, I promise you that if you if you undertake these documentation tips, at some point, probably within the next 18 months, you're going to say, geez, I'm really glad I did this because look, I went back and I found the photo or the video or the daily report that has really saved my butt on this issue. All right, tip number three, using the right system. You can use any system you want to document your projects as long as it is designed for the application that you're using. It's accessible to your team in the office and the field. It reduces or eliminates duplicate data entry. Um, and it ideally connects to other systems that you already have in place in your office. And, I, and again, that it will be adopted by, by the team. We have had clients use Procore, um, eSub, uh, Smart Barrel, um, just to name a few. But we also have others that have their own system. They don't want to spend the money on a, a software system. And between email, WhatsApp, and Excel, they have a system that works. And whenever they need to produce something or, or uh, support their documentation system, they have it in a form that's easily available to them. So whatever system you use, make sure that it works uh, and it meets these criteria because it's very important. Having a great system, by the way, that, that's great on paper but that no one uses doesn't help you at all. You need to find a system that everyone is gonna implement. And I would suggest start small uh, if you don't have a system in place. The other thing you can do is take a look at whatever software systems you currently have um, and see if in fact they have a uh, project documentation component that maybe you're not using to its fullest extent or as an add-on to the existing system that you have. All right, so let's, we got two bonus tips. So bonus tip number one, meeting minutes. Make sure you attend all the meetings that you are invited to. Uh, speak up during those meetings uh, and voice your concerns. And if someone says something that you disagree with, you need to contradict them um, so that it's on the record. Now, here's the, here's the, the important part. Um, make sure that you actually get the meeting minutes after the meeting. So you've attended the meeting, you've walked out, so-and-so is, you, you, you find out that, you know, John Smith is the person that's taking the meeting minutes. One, two days go by, you don't get the meeting minutes. You email John Smith, hey, John, where's the, the meeting minutes? And maybe he sends them to you, maybe he doesn't. Um, if you don't get those meeting minutes, you need to email them and make sure you request a copy. Review the meeting minutes when you get them and respond in writing, and email is fine, where the meeting minutes are incomplete or are inaccurate. So someone may have said something at the meeting that wasn't properly reflected, maybe it was you, wasn't properly reflected in the meeting minutes. You need to indicate that by your reply 
email that you know when when you noted that the drywaller was late i respond and the meeting minutes are silent as to anything else i responded that we weren't late because we were waiting for the drywall or the framer and the electrician on the seventh floor so you're going to put that in an email in in response um, so if they're incomplete or inaccurate you're going to respond remember fast forward 18 months after the project is done, if there is a lawsuit, what is going to happen? The lawyers are going to comb over all these documents, the daily reports, the photos, the meeting minutes, and they're going to recreate a series of events that may or may not be truly accurate about what happened. And to the extent that you do not properly document those things that happened on the job to support your narrative of uh, what transpired, you will not have the documentary support to advance your position. So a court judge or jury is going to look at those meeting minutes and say, well, look, they said you were late at every meeting. The meeting minutes say that you were late and there's no response. So you need to have a response if the meeting minutes are inaccurate. So if you get those meeting minutes and you read them and they're not right, you need to send a response back and correct them. You need to do this every week um, whenever those meeting minutes come out. Um, so one way to level up is if you don't get any meeting minutes, maybe no one ever sends them to you, but there were meetings or there were no meetings at all, then what you're going to do is you're going to send an email with your summary of the meeting. So no one sent you any minutes, you're going to write the meeting minutes and you're going to send them the way you want to send the way you want to write them and you're going to send them to the people that were running the meeting. If there was no meeting, you're gonna summarize ideally, maybe every week, uh, an email that you're gonna send them summarizing the key events that happened during the week. And this is gonna go to all relevant parties. What is absolutely critical that you understand is that the party that has the most and best documentation typically is going to win the fight at the end of the day when it comes time to getting paid. So. You've done the work, you're owed money, you record a lien, and now you need to get paid. If the lien itself doesn't get you paid, then you're gonna have to file a lawsuit. And if that's the case, one of the best ways to get paid and to support your claim is in fact to have uh, proper documentation. The second bonus tip is your contract. Don't sign any contract that's handed to you blindly. You need to review the contract and make changes. Every owner or contractor is going to tell you that absolutely positively we do not make changes to our contract. I am here to tell you that every contractor has and every owner has and will make changes to their contract for you and for other people. Um, we hear a lot from our clients. They hire us to review their contracts. We review them and provide an addendum. And many times, some or even most of that addendum gets accepted. Um, so what are some of the things that you want to put in this addendum uh, to the contract? You want to address payment terms. You want to include the right to stop work if you're not getting paid. I know this sounds obvious, and people assume that if you're not getting paid, you automatically have the legal right to stop working. Most contracts in construction say the complete opposite. 
even if you are not getting paid, you have to keep working. Even if we're not approving your change orders, you have to keep working. So the only way that you will have the legal right to, to stop working is if you put it in your contract. Another one, limiting your indemnity to the available insurance that is that you have. So indemnity is the right for someone to come to you and say, look, something bad happened. You need to pay for it. That's why in many cases you have insurance. So having that insurance, um, you would like it to stand in front of any indemnity obligation. But the way most contracts are written, the indemnity obligation is separate from your insurance. You want to tie the two together. And there are ways to do that in your contract. Um, you want longer notice to cure times. Typically, it's 48 hours, 72 hours. You know, that's not enough time to fix a problem. Um, so can you imagine if you have 48-hour notice and they give it to you at 5 o'clock on a Friday? Well, geez, that means before Monday morning, you have to have fixed the problem. Uh, so in your addendum, you want to incl include a longer opportunity to have notice and opportunity to cure. Material escalation is a big deal. Most contracts say that your price is your price and will never change. However, we, are, we have many of our clients signing contracts getting the right to have material escalation clauses. So within certain parameters, if prices go up, you can increase your price. These are all things that are available to you. And don't think that just because the contractor or owner says they won't make any changes, uh, trust me when I tell you that they will. Thanks, everybody.